0: I rewound it to like the five minutes before she entered, but it's such like butt rock wrestling that I was like, I can't watch this. And <laughs> butt then I rock.
1: went, and then yeah, I that's went, a perfect description of it's it. Butt rock wrestling, just like slow, big, lumbering guys like doing clotheslines that the other person sells badly like jock jams is basically edm in comparison like my god but
0: i i fast forwarded it to right in the point where he threw the water in his face and i was like oh this
1: this is good now it's great and like i will you know i will say obviously vince mcmahon is like an evil evil person he is a very good performer he is really really fun he's
0: I, i i i don't know what to do when i like remember that and i realize that because he's so evil that it taints my view of everything thing that he does and I think rightfully so but the fact that I'm like oh you know he's really funny like yeah he's a narcissist but he's right to zoom in on himself being part of this here it's
1: you know uh, dialectics (laughs) if there's one thing I've learned from getting yelled at all week for saying Louis CK is bad Uh, it's that you're a very mature person from being able to divorce uh, somebody being a good performer from somebody being a good person. A lot of people are unable to do that and uh, will yell at you about it forever.
0: Welcome to WrestleSplania, the podcast where wrestling enthusiast Kath Barbadoro introduces wrestling to me, Rachel Millman, a new fan. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good. Uh, you know, sweating atrociously today. It is extremely
1: fucking hot out today.
0: It's not the heat for me as it is the humidity. Like the humidity is just this awful hell. I think yesterday it was probably worse than
1: I really, today was. I really admire your commitment to wearing pants when it's this hot. You're a strong woman.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I can show my strength in a lot of ways, but I just don't like wearing shorts. So
1: <laughs> I just <Fuck> like it. <laughs> I have such a low tolerance for being uncomfortable that I'm just like, you know what? so what I hate is I hate when I feel sweat on the backs of my
0: knees Mm. and if I'm wearing pants they're soaked up back there but also I've been living out of a suitcase for the past couple days (laughs) uh so I I didn't actually have shorts in there because I was in Pittsburgh and then I've been dog sitting and now I'm here and then I go home after that so one more thing kind of sticking it out
1: (laughs) well yeah it's uh it's very gross um but here's my segue Speaking of strong women, yeah. that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about China.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, um, we've we been kind of approaching this episode for a while, but have been trying to figure out the right time of when to do this. Because I feel like the further we get into wrestling, because it's not so much like a me at this point as it is a we, I would say. Like, there's still definitely stuff that you know more about than I do, but I would say at this point, we... We're not 100% even on knowledge, but I feel like we're a lot closer than we were.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, the the episodes have long since stopped being me teaching you stuff I know. It's a stu- it's learning stuff together.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, approaching this as we... Because, like I was saying, as we get deeper into this together, like, there's some unavoidably tragic stuff, and it's like, okay, how do we balance the more and more and more tragic stuff as we go further in with, like, the fun, silly stuff. Yeah. So we've
1: been, like, <laughs> tempering this episode for a little bit. Yeah, we've been trying to be thoughtful about how to put it together and when to do it, because, like, there's there's some, like, really fun, amazing stuff about this that is, like, totally in the spirit of the normal show, but then there's also some really dark stuff. Um, I feel like this timing is actually kind of interesting, for me at least, because I don't know when this is coming out, but... uh we're recording this at the end of a week where I have just been hit with like an onslaught of like misogynist harassment from the internet um, because I d- don't think Louis C.K. should get to work in comedy clubs. And uh, a lot of people on the internet think that that means I'm a fat cunt and they should tell me that a lot. So I just feel like watching China this week was really great and like kind of healing but also really emotional for me because she's someone who experienced so much of that misogynist harassment throughout her life and uh yeah I think this is gonna be an interesting episode I'm gonna try not to cry yeah I don't <laughs> I'm I don't want to make it like a
0: dick measuring contest but I definitely felt a lot of kinship with that as well and I don't need sure. to get into how and why I just I also understand that yeah identifying with her
1: I mean, we're both women, first of all, so, like, we have (laughs) experienced our share of misogynist harassment, but we are also both women on the internet.
0: Yeah, and I've been doing it for, like, a pretty long time in terms of logging and the posting minds, and before I go any further, I want to say that, like, you know, everyone's sort of experience with this stuff is individual, and there's, it's a sliding scale, I guess, but, like, me getting, like, it's... I don't want to say that anyone's pain is lesser, but, like, she dealt with a lot more. Um, And I have kind of just, like, this utmost empathy for that. Because, like, I I know my limits with what I can and cannot handle. And I have this, like, exoskeleton on my brain of, like, when I'm getting yelled at online or getting called, you know, a fat cunt or usually it's usually it's not so much stuff about my weight. It's people calling me ugly or something like that. Or, you know, for the past like four years, I've had the same guy sending me his dick in black and white from like a million different accounts. And it's like I know what I can and cannot handle. And I know my limits very, very well. And I have my own ways of just saying like, even if you're upset, do not let it show because that's letting people win. Right. Which is like. Probably not. You know, like, I, there's arguments for and against that, but that's how I can cope. Right. But, like, knowing what I can handle and knowing how much worse things were for her is just... I only have empathy. Yeah, I think... I only have sadness. And I only have anger for her.
1: I think that's the thing is, like, it's so... um emotional to watch her her wrestle and then know about what happened to her after because it's like you know I think we're both people who our response to this is to try to project um a a persona of like strength and of like I can handle it and she was someone who like that was her whole thing like she was so strong and so cool and she could completely hold her own in the ring with these men she wrestled primarily men and all the while people are saying she looks like a man and, and all of this horrible yeah. stuff about her. But then like she had this, she projected this image of strength, but then at the end, like not even she was strong enough to handle this. Not even no, she was strong no. enough to deal with I it. I
0: have a question for you. Um, what was your first exposure to her? Like as a child?
1: Um, I don't know if I remember specifically, I think she was just sort of ambiently in the air. Uh, but LB made a really good point in these notes of, of like, When she was in her heyday in DX in WWF, like, me as just a a kid who didn't watch wrestling, like, I don't know who Triple H is. I know who China is. Yeah, yeah. She was, like, on par with The Rock, like, 100%, bigger than anybody else.
0: Yeah, I think the first wrestlers who I knew who they were because wrestling just hit in terms of, like, what it is and knowing what it was when I was in the fifth grade. And when, like, all of the boys who were mean to me and called me a lesbian... Uh, had wrestling folders and stuff. And then I got in trouble for hitting one of them in the head with a math book. Uh, (laughs) He does multi-level marketing now.
1: (laughs) Uh, The dangers of head injuries, everyone.
0: Listen, (laughs) this is what the show is about. But he he said that I was gay for a girl and I hit him in the head, (laughs) which... I mean, there's an argument that I made his point, but whatever. Um, but either way, it was, I knew who, like, The Undertaker was. I knew who Steve Austin was. I knew who China was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also exemplary of, like, that sort of just, I understand. The reason I think I can understand conceptually so much of that her, I can't understand the individual, is that, like, when I was teased in middle school, I was told I looked like her. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I look at her now. I like, I look at footage of her now, and I'm like, God, she was so stunning. And she was called ugly her whole life. This is bullshit. Yeah. But like, I can't imagine the layers of being called ugly, and then I'm sure somebody told her at some point that like little girls got told that they looked like her as an insult. Like that would destroy me. Um, but I think the other, the I knew of her, but the first thing of her I ever I ever watched her in was the surreal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way she was portrayed on The Surreal Life was definitely a person who was a mess, but a person who was so kind.
1: Yeah, she seems like an incredibly sweet and loving person and um, someone who had a really special connection with her fans. And, you know, I think it probably (laughs) made her sad to know that girls were getting called, you know, China as an insult, Mm. but also... Think about like how impactful the image of her wrestling was for so many women. I mean, she like completely changed yeah. the entire game and like broke down every barrier put in her way. The the fact that they were doing intergender matches 20 years ago with her is incredible.
0: It's it's in it's like it's it's wonderful. It's truly wonderful and I hope that like if there is a place where she is where she would be aware of things that she knows that that impact is still there yeah and like i know i can only speak to what i've witnessed as i am not like a gay man but every gay man i know who loves wrestling fell in love with it because of china because they saw an outsider in the late 90s early 00s they saw an outsider in this incredibly i think it's okay to say gross level of machismo in the attitude era and they saw softness and they saw tenderness and they saw somebody who had all those qualities but still said, fuck you, I'm going to go out there and be great.
1: Yeah, and still, and still projected strength. I think that um, a lot of people who like wrestling who don't come from your standard straight cis white male wrestling fan mold really saw themselves in her in a lot of ways. And uh, she was really, really special and there was really a reason why she was as big as she was and it wasn't just because she was like a sideshow novelty like people really really loved her
0: yeah I would say that is the main sort of downside to I think like my first exposure to her and watching her in meeting media and not just seeing her on the folder of like a 10 year old bully is that she was sort of portrayed as a sideshow by virtue of being on the TV show where Right. That's that TV show is a sideshow. It's a complete it's a complete (laughs) sideshow. And it launched, you know, this incredible network of so many other (laughs) sideshows who I like love, obviously. But she was on a show that was mostly known for Vern Troyer getting drunk and peeing off of a scooter. Right. And like he is another tragic story that I don't think he intersects with wrestling much. So we're probably not going to talk about him here. But there is like a great sadness there as well. Um there's so many people whose lives were
1: really sad that were on The Surreal Life. That's yeah. I mean that's what that show was for. It was a showcase of human misery of moderately famous people. But it was also but really good. <laughs> I I it it, uh, it deeply deeply upset me. I would probably I watch it. hate it now, but at the
0: time it was this introduction to like you know, you have this camp goofiness, but I wound up watching it and seve- um, sincerely liking almost everybody who was on yeah. it because
1: they were human they were human and I think everybody on those types of things first of all they're all famous people so they're charismatic and second of all they're all fucked up famous people so they deeply deeply want to be loved and liked and so they are that is very that kind of vulnerability really um resonates with people
0: yeah and like we planned a different bonus to go in tandem with this episode but I was almost thinking about pitching like what about a surreal life show episode but I felt like that would be kind of disrespectful to her? I think it'd be
1: dark. I think it'd be it'd pretty be, dark. It would be very, very dark.
0: But, like, you know, these people who want to be loved so badly that, like, you, you think about Flavor Flav and uh, Brigitte yeah. falling in love together on the show because they wanted to be loved so badly.
1: So, I do want to talk about, like, the the fun stuff before we get into the bummer yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 there's a lot of fun stuff. Um, uh, yeah, we wa- we watched a whole bunch of stuff for this. Uh, the first things we watched were, like, a highlight reel Uh, From Raw of her um, basically just kicking ass and being awesome. Yeah. And then uh, we watched her do the the DX split, which uh, (laughs) I adored. I really liked it. So I feel like this was like such a good intro, not only to China, but also to like the DX's whole deal, because their whole deal was just that they were like... They were those nine-year-old boys that were assholes. Like, they were just...
0: Exactly. And, like, watching that... And, like, I already knew that there was a reason those, like, nine- and ten-year-old boys were
1: so mean. But it's because they're dumb. So... There are these overgrown children and they like do the suck it thing and they moon people and everything. So that's what the DX split is. They're all going to moon everybody. Yeah. And it's like the joke is like, oh, no, are we going to do the DX split? Like, are we going to break up? And then they all try to take their pants down. And China, this is like her first speaking role on yeah. WWE. Says like, "Hey guys, I think people are sick of looking at your asses." And then she does a DX split, and she takes down her pants and shows her ass, and everyone goes nuts. And they all do all the men in the ring do like a pratfall (laughs) about it. Which is amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Jim Ross says I didn't know that she wasn't mute, which is like okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the first time she spoke in the ring. But she did. It's so funny. But like, there's so many ways that you could, I guess, like analyze it if you wanted to. Like, I watched it and I was like, imagine the takes that could generate from this <laughs> today. Of like, is she reclaiming her femininity? Right. Is she doing a sort of like pick me feminist thing or whatever? It is, and then you go, like, no, this is just, like, really funny and dumb, and I'm going to argue that, like, yeah, is she being objectified? Fucking duh. But I think in the lens of, like, you know, what is this, 1999, 1998? 1998, WWE, a woman saying, fuck you, I'm going to do this, is her being accepted into that fold, and is her being, you know, given the respect of somebody on their equal level of these idiots who do the fucking <laughs> suck it move, but they
1: also make the most money and that's what speaks in McMahon land. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like what is so interesting about this clip is that like it is all of those things at once. Like her showing her ass is funny, is cool, is sexy, is objectifying, is empowering. It's it's all of those things. And it like that sort of like overflowing of meaning from it is what makes it so fun to watch. And then, you know, like she does it and people are like, Gr- wow, great ass! I love this. But then, like Triple H is high fiving her, and they're all like, you know, celebrating their like DXness together, and like doing the suck it and stuff. Like, it's not like she does it, and then everybody grabs her ass or something. You yeah, know? that would be very gross. Yeah. So, like, I th- I just thought this was like a very fun uh, introduction to like what their whole deal sort of was, <laughs> and also her ass looks amazing. Holy shit! Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's all muscle. That thing looks hard. It is like <laughs> rock
1: solid she has a beautiful tan going on it, yeah. it looks like she is like very well oiled like she's so well oiled through all of this that was my note on almost
0: every match and then i just <laughs> stopped taking it she's well oiled in everything i've ever seen she is
1: she glistens it's really beautiful um yeah so we watch that and then we watch like uh she was like the first woman to ever be in the royal rumble which is crazy
0: and also you know it's a short spot But she enters the Royal Rumble, and then she takes out Mark Henry. Yeah. What the fuck? It rules. It's so good.
1: I also especially like that um, the commentary frames it as, like, she went after Mark Henry because he was sexually harassing her. Like, he was talking about how he wanted to fuck her. And so she went right after him. And, again, it just sort of made me realize, like, this character must have been so cathartic for, for anyone, for women, but also just anybody who feels like people don't respect them, you know like what a hero. if if you think about wrestling as like you know, escapism and s- like superhero stories for people, like wrestlers are these figures of of um, like aspiration for people. They do the things we can't do, you know like Stone Cold yells at his boss. We all want to yell at our boss, like all this stuff. I feel like China is really that in a time period, where even more than now and it's still like this women are just not respected and like I just can't imagine how like crazy I would have gone marking out for this if I had watched this I mean I did just watching this now like it was it kicked ass yeah
0: but then she gets taken out of the ring pretty quickly but it's, it's still like a very memorable moment and I do think I think Also, again, I weirdly defend the booking of this, and I can't believe I'm defending the booking of WWE in anything, let alone, like, 2000. Uh, But she's not a surprise entrant. No, yeah. She is a build entrant, and I think that's very, very different and very cool. Like, Nia Jax was a surprise entry. Yeah. I mean, you know there's the roster like the the royal rumble roster is more of a surprise now from what i can tell of like oh you don't know who's gonna show up and they had but they had teased that she was going to be in the rumble
1: yeah no i think that's a really important um observation i they definitely did do surprise entrance back then but no she earned her spot like she they They, say don't they say that she beat mcmahon yeah So like she she beat Vince McMahon to earn her spot in the rumble and then she comes out and goes for the biggest guy. Like that's really incredible symbolism.
0: Yeah. Whether or not the McMahon's meant it for me to digest it in that way. <laughs> Fuck you. I write my own stories and I analyze my own wrestling. Hell yeah.
1: Speaking of uh feminism, the next thing we watched was uh China versus Jeff Jarrett in the classic. <laughs> Good housekeeping match for the Intercontinental Championship in 1999. Um, I am obsessed. I literally... Okay, so I went to therapy right before this, um, and I talked about China at length and also cried a lot. And also, then sent my therapist the Good Housekeeping match because I, I was explaining it to her, and she was like, "You're really a wrestling fan, dude. I like (laughs) hate to break it to you.
0: Like, I know we're often like, I think we're different from a lot of other ones, and we are. But you did send your therapist the Jeff Jarrett Good (laughs) Housekeeping match. I just feel
1: like this is like a an amazing piece of like subversive feminist art that like. (laughs) completely fuck the dinner table it made me (laughs) bored completely (laughs) happened by accident but like this is okay so if, if you don't know it's definitely worth watching, even if you like don't care about either of these people. I don't know why you wouldn't care about China, but like it's just a crazy novelty, even outside of all this stuff. But so it's they go into it, and it's like Jeff Jarrett is misogynist, and he's like women belong in the kitchen, and he's clearly the bad guy, and, Ch- and is just like China, you don't belong here, because again, it is hugely unprecedented that she's wrestling the men. Yeah. So, and and Jeff Jarrett is very obviously supposed to be a heel here, but like. There was trepidation about this, like from a lot of people in the company. The I'm Id- so glad Twitter was not there. God. God. Thank goodness. Look. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank goodness. Uh, but yeah, so he's like, he's the bad guy. There I, I feel like it's again another example of WWE sort of commodifying its dissent. Like, yup, making making this sort of meta commentary folding it into its its kayfabe storylines but i feel like this is an example of them doing that well um but yeah so he's a misogynist so they're they're gonna he's the intercontinental championship champion china is gonna challenge for it again unprecedented that a woman would challenge for this belt and the stipulation of the match is that they can use any object as long as it is a household item (laughs) That is the stipulation.
0: The only true disappointment I had with this match is that there was a cast iron frying pan on that table and it just gets pushed to the side. And I was like, fuck this. It gets used. Yeah, but like it should have been front and center there should have been a scramble for it like it should have been like
1: it should have been the main weapon the yeah. main exactly <laughs>
0: like they could have killed each other and i would have cheered
1: i do i did take note of when it is used though because it's china hits jeff Jarrett in the head with it and that image is just that's like out of like andy cap like that's yes. like an old like i ate her-
0: andy cap fries while i was watching this match because <laughs> oh, wow. i found them in a bodega
1: and was like what dude i love andy cap fries they were
0: ranch fries they were pretty close to here.
1: i like the uh-huh. I like the hot fries those the, are my favorite the hot
0: fries are good but I I saw ranch fries and I wanted them <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah it's just like that's such a classic archetype of like the haranguing wife in rollers like <laughs> waving a frying pan but it's completely like turned inside out here because it's like Jeff Jarrett is this like weaselly piece of shit and <laughs> you're rooting for China and, uh, yeah, there's, like, there's a fish. Someone gets hit with a fish. Shades of Rusev. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. There's- I love, uh, I'm gonna beat you with every weapon known to woman. It's so good. <laughs> like,
0: amazing I really just feel like why well, didn't he get tampons out oh those are probably too gross for you know whatever era, whatever year that was of WWE of like ew icky right like WWE was like, sleazy cook, but they weren't we have titties but like wh- uh, we don't Women don't poop.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been too abject for them, but it would have kicked ass. If they did this now, like put Priscilla Kelly in this, it would kick uh, ass. Oh, yeah, she should do an homage
0: match, like for sure. And she <laughs> should fight Jim Cornette.
1: Oh, that would rule. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I don't want him to get the booking. Never
1: mind. I just like <laughs> the the uh, promo package leading up to this is really interesting too, like because they use sort of household stuff in their in the lead up to it there's a thing where um jeff jarrett throws china into a laundry bin and then like pushes it off like a cement thing that was really funny it's that was really really funny it's crazy and like again this is definitely like a comedy match like it's supposed to be funny but at the same time like if if you're worried about intergender wrestling echoing domestic abuse like, what more echoes domestic abuse than like people throwing kitchen objects at each other? Like, yeah,
0: and that was kind of some trouble I had with this match. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I still got like ultimate enjoyment out of it. And I was like, this is so stupid and I love it. But also, without getting too far into it, like, that's a little rough to handle.
1: Yeah and it's very like there are a lot of things that hit close to home for people who've been through that and I also know that China went through that like Mm -hmm. we read some some articles about her for this and like she is from an abusive home and you know like I I wonder to what extent like when you when you're enacting something like this does that aggravate the trauma or is it a way to sort of reinterpret it you know is is it it can be kind of an integrative experience I think too to to enact this as a performance where you are getting the better of this other person
0: I mean I can't speak for her and like I especially especially can't speak on it now um I think it's different for everybody just in terms of like when I've acted and I've been in scenes like that it's usually like what i have to, what i did what i did was basically like i this is not me i am this character yeah and that's you know you process those other feelings later and i think that's kind of what she did in a big sense of like i'm going to process all of this later and like that's you know if you don't do it in the gradual that's when there's an explosion I feel. But like I don't know I don't know I don't know what her I don't know what her uh mindset was through this match.
1: Yeah, I I guess I'm just sort of bringing it up generally because like this this there's just so much like symbolism going on here. Um, in terms of heavy ways, but also in terms of uh, the commentators being really excited that they get to say that China hit him with everything but that as she throws a kitchen sink at him. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) And I also kind of want to touch on, like, there's, okay, again, there's a couple different lenses through which you can view this, but, like, wearing a thong to the ring as, like, the person defending women in a women belong in the kitchen match is like a series of choices. Uh, I think it's really funny. You could, again, there's the argument of like, is this empowering or is this not? I think it's up to you, the listener and the viewer to decide. But like that question was in my mind. And then also the incredible, again, this is a very 2019 lens. Jeff Jarrett has a valet
1: he brings Yeah, yeah, in. yeah. He
0: has a subservient woman. Miss Kitty, I
1: believe her name Miss is. Miss Kitty, which and made me think of Arrested Development. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, same. I've been rewatching it recently. <laughs>
0: uh, but to me also that's I are you aware of what a pick me is? Yes. For the listeners, a pick me is a woman who is usually a person who knows what she's doing in terms of siding with misogynist men, but does it anyway because she wants to be picked by the men. So again, you seeing this valet kitty and seeing a pick-me then get, I forget, pancake batter dumped on her head? I think so, yeah. A A big pot of something. A big pot of something. Maybe it was a stew. Maybe it was pancake batter. Very
1: satisfying. I also think it's interesting that, again, yeah, you have this woman who it's like, you're you're sort of performing this like regressive uh ideology because you think it will keep you safe from men which is never true um yeah men are not going to save you yeah exactly men don't protect you anymore shout out jenny holzer um
0: shout out that bot that i weirdly don't have muted because i found it find it very comfortable whenever it replies to me on twitter <laughs> you know which one right the jenny holzer bot yeah, yeah i yeah. like
1: it it's cute <laughs> um but yeah so like that that's like her whole deal, but the way that those types of women sort of keep their currency is their looks. And so I think it's really interesting that in order to defeat her in the match, China doesn't do anything violent to her. She just makes her look stupid. Yeah, she gets her hair wet. Yeah. She she pours pancake batter on her. Like yeah. she doesn't punch her. She doesn't do any of that. She doesn't hit her. She just makes her ugly. <laughs>
0: technically speaking, and again I'm not judging it. I just think it's interesting that she is like this sexy feminine ideal versus china's more like masculine brute femininity um that china's showing more skin yeah i mean uh, China. they're both sexy ladies
1: i mean china to me like her gear it reminds me of um like xena this was like the era of xena warrior princess very linda hamilton to me i can see that um it's kind of dominatrixy yeah it's definitely like it's definitely sexy but it's sexy in a a different way than a, like a classical feminine in a way. reclamation way. I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just thought it was interesting. And I wanted to like point it out for sure. Um, the, but also this match has like a weird finish that I kind of, I'm of two minds about cause it initially ends with Jeff Jarrett hitting her with the belt and then pinning her and she loses in the, you know, the kitchen sink match. Or what's, whatever, you know what I mean um, But then they say like No, you cheated And then she gets to win And so there's kind of two things that I would have loved From a wrestling perspective I would have loved a clean finish for this Of like a more direct victory Yeah, yeah. But I score. also think if we're going to continue to talk About the metaphor of this match And all the things that it could mean to people watching it The lesson of Fuck you, you don't get to cheat And I'm going to win anyway Is equally as important
1: Yeah, um, I I definitely can see both sides of that. I mostly just find it very funny that they have an argument about whether the belt is a household item. (laughs) That to me is just very funny. Like... Like uh, the commentators are like, Well, it's in Jeff Jarrett's house <laughs> like, which I just think is really good. It's,
0: well, I mean you can, I feel I thought the argument was going to go like, Well, women should they wear pants and should they have belts <laughs> for also- them? <laughs> I thought that was where I thought the argument oh, was gonna go. That would have <laughs> been so funny coming out of Jim Ross's mouth I'm like, <laughs> Y'all think
1: women should wear pants <laughs> Very good to me. Uh yeah but yeah then she wins and, and she hits him with a guitar and then there's some commentary confusion about whether a guitar is a household item if it's which in is Jeff Jarrett's funny. house again it's a, of course in Jeff Jarrett's house because that's what he always hits people with so <laughs> it's fine um but yeah and then she wins and again like this is a huge deal like this is oh not God. this is like women were so irrelevant to this entire thing that they never even bothered to indicate that this was a title specifically for men because, like, of course it's specifically for men. Yeah. So the fact that she wins it is, like, so fucking cool. And I, the last thing I want to say about this match is right when she wins it, um, they cut the to an audience shot of these, like, very clean-cut, like looking white women like very much people you know I don't know who they are but like if we're talking about this good housekeeping match I'd be like they cut to housewives yeah like they cut to the people that China is sort of representing in this and they're going nuts I and love it's that. it's great like it, it it made me feel so good and uh I just think this is like so interesting and like to some extent, accidentally interesting, (laughs) but like, no, it's nowhere near as interesting as Vince
0: intended it. When booking, (laughs) we are squeezing a lot of water out of a rock, (laughs) but I think we are right to do it.
1: Uh, Another fun thing about this match is um this is the legendary story where Jeff Jarrett uh held the WWE title for ransom and said he wouldn't drop it to China unless he got 300000 dollars Which is pretty sweet. What I a mean piece of shit. I yeah, that's the thing is like <laughs> that like sucks. Am I mad it's... at it?
0: Kind of. Long term?
1: No. That's the thing is, like, I'm only mad at it because it was this match. If you did that against, like, any old competitor, I'd be like, good for you, man. Like... Yeah, no, that's... You're being sexist. (laughs) You're being sexist. You're using sexism to your financial advantage, which is... Canceled, bitch! (laughs) I just... Look, there are several sides to that story, but it is a very funny story. It's it's
0: very Jeff Jarrett, for sure. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So... um. Another thing that we spent a little bit of time on was uh, the storylines with with China and Eddie Guerrero. Oh, yeah, I can't like if you think about this time in WWE as just like so much sleaze, so much crass, and and I don't even mean that in a negative way, but it's like it's like DX, it's like fun, crass, gross, body, childish, whatever. Like that was kind of the rule of the day. To have this relationship, they had such good chemistry, and there was just something so sweet about them together.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was... I mean, I assume the terms of the relationship was pure kayfabe.
1: Yeah, that's my understanding. he He was
0: married, but, like, there is an actual tenderness between them that is so palpable. Yeah. He was nice to her in a world that was not very nice to her.
1: Yeah, really. I mean... It's interesting because, like, we haven't really talked that much about the the behind-the-scenes stuff um, that was going on with her in WWE. But she, like, she came from like a very unstable background. When she got to WWE, she really felt like she had like found her people, and she really adopted that the people in that company as her family. And uh, she was with Triple H for a long time, and then you know, it's it's a famous story among wrestling fans that he. Uh, left her for Stephanie, and uh, very shortly after that, she left the company. Yeah, And the circumstances under which she left the company are uh, subject to debate. She said that they screwed her, they said that she demanded too much money, which you know, as a lady, like that means they screwed her, because fuck that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so like, she really felt at home with these people, but also people were kind of doing her dirty. So to see this relationship that just It seems like there's so much respect and mutual admiration and tenderness and sweetness there. It's it's really great. It's
0: notably, like, even though, you know, we've been talking in pure admiration about all of, like, the goofy, sexist, but funny stuff. This is the thing, I think, with the most tenderness. Absolutely. It's so sweet it's so
1: kind um and it stands out so much because the rest of it is so gross
0: yes
1: yes and you know i just like i'm glad actually
0: that we did eddie first Mm -hmm. because already having such an admiration for eddie going into this and like an obvious sadness around eddie seeing that seeing that tenderness is just like it's it's really lovely i love Um, the match where they have to fight each other and she yells at him to take it seriously. And like, I've dated so many fucking doofs that like, I understand that so inherently of like, can you please just fucking take this seriously? I want you to take me seriously.
1: I wrote that down too, that I, I found this really relatable, this match. It's a, it's a King of the Ring match. Um, and, uh, yeah, they have to go against each other. And she's telling him beforehand, he's like, you know, oh, mamacita, like all that stuff. And, and she's just like, I'm not your mamacita right Don't now. Don't underestimate me. And, you know, I like this isn't about anybody in particular I've dated because I've, I've dated a few comics and like everything's fine. It's all good. But like when you date somebody in your industry and you're a woman, it's complicated. It's really complicated. And there are times when you feel that frustration of like, I know that we're in a romantic relationship, but like I want, I also want your respect as a colleague and trying to navigate that situation is, is really difficult. And so I thought the way that they played with that in this match is really great.
0: I mean, I'm just going to say like divorced of, cause I used to do comedy, but not anymore. Just as like a person existing in the world yeah. of like, you know, I don't think it's any secret that I've met a lot of partners from Twitter and it's like, so we sort of inhabit those same worlds and it's like, no, you're going to respect me and you're going to give me my due. And I've had that even happen with friends that I've made of like, okay, yeah, you know, like you and I have become friends, but like you get to respect what I found. You get to respect what I think you get to respect what I've created. And if you don't, I'm gonna be mad at you.
1: Yeah, um, and and I just think like the way that that dynamic kind of goes back and forth in this match is really interesting because like it is sort of Eddie being sweet at first and China getting mad, and the match is also like good. Like yeah, it's the a match good is match. Very good.
0: And it, you know she wasn't like the world's most amazing work rate wrestler, so but I do think that she paired very very well with Eddie here. Yeah. Because he's such a strong performer, and she was such a strong performer in so many other ways that it pairs really nicely. But I understand this sort of they play it really silly at the end of the match after it's over but I understand the frustration of like you goofing around like whether or not you you feel rational saying saying this but like you goofing around cost me cost me this if you had done this straight I would have had a better shot and you fucked me over.
1: Right. I mean that's what I was going to say is like they they play with this dynamic where like at first Eddie is being very sweet and China's like what the fuck take this seriously but then at the end Eddie weaponizes that sort of sweetness and disrespect to win so it's like it's not a fan it's both things like it's both it's the way that that sort of patronizing masculine view of women fucks us over in the end like it's it's that sort of like I'm not taking this seriously because you're not really a match for me but then like the, you know, the the lowered expectations are also what I'm going to use to fuck you over. I'm also not going to let you win. Like, I'm going to act like I'm going to let you win and that I'm such a good guy and then I'm not going to let you. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it And we're talking about this, like, very deep, complicated um, kind of power dynamic between men and women. This match is like five minutes long. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's really amazing. Yeah. Uh, that they're able to And then do it that. ends with a puppy. And then it ends with a puppy, <laughs> which is what we all want. All matches to A little with.
0: Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> I think it's some sort of Springer Spaniel mix, I'm pretty sure, based on the ears. Um, but I've just kind of like, it actually, I, I, okay, the puppy is very cute. I loved looking at it, duh. <laughs> but I actually felt that that kind of cheapened it. Yeah, I agree. That it also cheapens the Eddie character and it cheapens that guy from giving her the full respect she
1: deserves. Right, it's manipulative, Yeah, is what it is. And I don't like thinking of Eddie Guerrero that way. Uh, yeah, I, I th- and I think that this is sort of like, again, them sort of undermining this innate sweetness and in chemistry that they have. Um, yeah,
0: they have such good chemistry. And also, like, I love a short king. I love a positive <sighs> short king relationship so good. on screen.
1: I saw this, like, I was trying to find it today. It was like a tweet that was like an ASCII, like, uh, have you ever seen it? It's like a big muscle cat, like muscle ASCII art with like a cat face, like crossing its arms, and then yeah. there's like a little short one next to it. Yeah, and, and it was like, just <laughs> China and Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, <laughs> like two two jacked uh, cutie pies, yeah. just of various different sizes. But no, they Me uh, at the grocery store. My mom. Yeah, or whatever. yeah <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's that, but it's China and Eddie Guerrero. No, it's
0: so cute. <laughs> it's so cute. Also, I didn't realize this until after I watched all this. In my mind, she has been six four forever. She's five ten. Yeah, which like. Is weirdly I was like oh she's not that tall
1: which is crazy she's very tall. She's tall but like she's more just like jacked to shit. She's, she's jacked, so jacked.
0: And she has good posture so
1: that yes. that
0: adds like 6 inches to
1: me. Yeah, totally. Um but yeah and then we we watched some some fan vids of them which were so sweet. Can I talk about the use of
0: one hit wonder Omi's cheerleader (laughs) and I mean this sincerely go off go off there is something that is so loving and wonderful and we have talked about the power of fan vids set to like dashboard confessional or whatever before on this show but there is something about like selecting this to me very average a couple years ago summer hit and being like this is the passion and this is, this is the message (laughs) and this is the lightheartedness and this is the joy. There's something so wonderful in that. I really, I, it makes me smile like so much. Like I've talked about it before of like when I first got into wrestling and I, I tweeted from this Blaney account, like can somebody like give me like a golden lovers comp set to like roses or higher. And somebody Mm -hmm. was like, no, but I got cry, which is like, perfect thank you yeah
1: fan vids are a beautiful art form i love them
0: (laughs) so much they speak so much to like that sort of passion yeah that can only exist basically now um can you imagine like fan vids from people like literally cutting and taping (laughs) uh film together like that's dedication for sure um (laughs) but yeah the fan vid itself is just like it's so sweet I love it so much and I actually do have to say like for someone who is like eh, that song's average I don't go out of my way to listen to it it works so perfectly it does
1: and it's just like again I think the thing that makes fan vids like so interesting is that they're so personal and like that yes. is such a such a sign of that that someone would pick this random ass song that like from like summer 2015 that I like I couldn't imagine anyone having an attachment to and that this person felt so strongly that this was the perfect song this for the their song. it's like it there's something so personal and so vulnerable about watching something like that that someone made. And they're really beautiful. I'd really recommend you check out these uh Eddie China fan vids. They're really cute. They're really cute. And also they're a great summation
0: of like the kindness of that and just like how they made it they were already inherently in charming people. Together they're even more charming as a duo yeah
1: they're really they're it's really special like i yeah. can't i feel like there's like macho man and miss elizabeth and then like this like i haven't seen a lot I think of this is more romantic than macho man and miss elizabeth well like, behind the scenes absolutely yeah taking that yeah. into account like for sure
0: but i mean like even without that of just like yeah. It's
1: so sweet. It's so sweet. And it also like, and it seems like he was like maybe the last person to be genuinely nice to her. It, it takes on a really, uh, like tragic tone when you think about what happened to both of these people after this, like it, it really is. It'll, it'll really hit you in the gut. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, in a, in a, in a good way. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the, these are both like two incredibly tragic stories. Um, Before we get into the the dark stuff, uh, the last thing we watched was the only match we watched with her against a woman, which was like pretty, pretty shortly before she ended up leaving the company. Um, She was against this woman, Ivory, who was in a faction called Right to Censor. This should be Ronda Rousey's gimmick. (laughs) That would rule. That would be so good. Right? Yeah. I like,
0: just, we're... It's annoying that she's decent because and as we've gone over it, she's pretty good. Ronda Rousey as like a trad wife. (laughs) Thank you. Give Lacey Evans a
1: different. Just make her do roller derby or some shit. This is what Ronda Rousey's gimmick should be. To me, like right to censor, (laughs) it's less trad wife and more like tipper gore, which I think is like it's. So funny to me. Again, like I feel like this is a perfect example of what, like, the Attitude Era did well, where it's taking something that, like, is sort of a a meta commentary on the business itself and on what's going on in entertainment itself, and then reincorporating it into the actual show. Yeah. And I feel like they have been trying and failing to do that, like, kind of ever since. Oh yeah, and like
0: the Tipper Gore thing it's so funny it's so funny it's so funny she
1: ivory comes out looking like a fucking caterer
0: she looks like a caterer who's a marine
1: (laughs) yeah she does (laughs) she does she's a caterer who's in the national guard on weekends yeah yeah exactly
0: (laughs) exactly but like this should be Rhonda's gimmick
1: yeah i'm i could see that
0: like i mean i just i the other stuff don't make her you make her you like I feel like they're not not everyone who works at WWE is stupid very true not everyone
1: mainly just like a couple of the main people are stupid and then there are a lot of good people who work for them and are uh probably hate their lives it's they know that people don't like her for Ronda Rousey for a lot of really valid
0: reasons Give us a character to hate so purely like yeah, that. Yeah. You know. It'd be fun. Like, especially now, like, of course we bet she would be like a free speech hashtag 2 a advocate in the bio type cad character. Like
1: do that. Well, she just to me, it's it's like the Tipper Gore thing, the right to censor, it's it's the opposite of that. It's it's uh pro censorship and like anti First Amendment. But the spirit of it as being a scold ronda rousey uh already exudes so strongly like she's just such a scold like every time she talks she just seems like the most dour like moralizing asshole yeah yeah Yeah. it'd be really fun
0: i think it would be (laughs) perfect i also can't believe that she wasn't the women's champion until 2001
1: yeah right well because she was wrestling the men i mean i
0: guess and i guess that like she's obviously like sexual and attractive but not in a way that they were using the women's roster so it makes sense but it's also like what an insult
1: yeah I mean I I don't know I I really haven't seen a lot of like what China thought about this I feel like if anything it's sort of insulting to the other women (laughs) like (laughs) that you're just like oh well we're not gonna let like the like the person who's like the best isn't gonna wrestle you guys because you guys are just here for TNA and she's wrestling like but I uh, also don't know when the women's title started, to be fair. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. I, I'm really unsure about what was going on with women at this point um, in the company. But, like, they were wrestling. I mean, there, there were divas and stuff. So Yeah. The, there was, I think, a women's division. And it is weird. I feel like there, there are definitely arguments to be made on a lot of sides that it's, like, not cool that she didn't wrestle women for a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just... Uh, th- right to censor Stable is so funny.
1: It's Just really like funny. A bunch of marms. <laughs> but, like, it is interesting to see her wrestle a woman after wrestling the men because, like, it... It does look weird because she's so much bigger than this woman, and it just doesn't seem like a fair fight at all. Oh, and I love her gear in this, by the way. Her gear is amazing. She's wearing this like beautiful purple bikini. He's
0: it's like Brandy Rhodes level good gear. Yeah,
1: and she has like a headdress, and she's wearing she's
0: oiled to shit always. Her bod looks fucking sick. Yeah, her bod. I mean, like her body always looks pretty sick, but like I just you know. I looked at it and I know everyone says clean living, but like, that's just such a good amount of steroids. Yeah. I mean, I don't know.
1: I I couldn't find, I like definitely assumed she was on steroids. No, but uh,
0: I, I feel like, and I'm not saying this as a mark against her, there's no way
1: yeah that's what I just like for sure assumed and then when I was reading all this stuff about her I couldn't really find anything one way or the other which maybe was just sort of out of respect for her but yeah like when they were sort of talking about her um eventual struggle with addiction and substance abuse and all of that stuff this the steroids never came up which I thought was kind of interesting because like they definitely come up when you talk about like Eddie or you know anybody else um i just don't think that they contributed to her death maybe yeah um but yeah she like she looks so fucking amazing and beautiful you know it it all it kind of goes without saying just it's something we've talked about so much on the show but like showing this non-traditional body type as cool strong sexy um desirable and and yeah it's it's revolutionary you know yeah um but yeah anyway she kicks ivory's ass and it's like great it's like a really short match and she wins and she wins like very casually oh (laughs) the uh, the way she won made me laugh so it's so insulting her pin is like her like settling into the couch to watch netflix yeah it's just like i'm just gonna relax here on top of you bitch yeah and then also her shoulders look so good
0: yeah and like her shoulders always look good but i feel like her shoulders are really on display in this match totally and like jack's shoulders on women i'm always like Oh, that's so good it's I love so cool it. yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah I'm
1: very envious um but yeah so after this she leaves the company and things start to kind of go downhill from her for her and she becomes like kind of a punchline which is how we as you know people who were like in high school at this time were often initially sort of familiar with her. Like I remember her from when she was wrestling and thought she was cool. But like, like you said, like the surreal life and stuff like that is more kind of what I knew her from before I got into wrestling. and uh, it's it's really dark and really sad. And it seemed like there were a lot of people in her life who really, really cared about her, who just couldn't help her. Yeah. and um our bonus episode this week is about X-Pac who dated her. Um, after they had both left the company and who clearly carries like a lot of guilt for not being able to help her because he was going through his own substance abuse stuff. Um, But yeah, it's just so, so tragic. And again, I feel like it's just a sign that like, this world fucking is horrible to women and it's good to be strong. And every woman I know is so strong, but like, That doesn't mean that the world being the way it is is something that we should have to suffer, you know, because even the strongest among us internalize this fucking bullshit and it makes me really mad. Yep. (laughs) Sorry to get get dark but I it just reading this stuff just made me fucking furious I was so angry yeah and I
0: mean the only reason I'm holding back is because you know I already talked earlier in the episode about like my weird exoskeleton of like what I do let be public and what I don't let be public but I it's it's you get you feel anger through all of it and then it just like spikes when you see certain names like the fact that fucking dr drew was involved with her life disgusting he's a i'm i I'm, I'm sure that there's like at least one person who's gonna hear this to hear about this and be like oh he's helped a lot of people okay that's great you can talk to me about it later i'm going to say <laughs> as a co-host of this fucking show that
1: dr drew is
0: a disgusting person
1: co-sign he's a vampire he's absolutely awful
0: he wasn't like i remember hearing somebody i knew and she's a very nice girl A girl I used to know being like, Dr. Drew, he's so, he's just really passionate about his work. He wasn't even there when his twins were born. It's like, oh, and he's a shitty father. (laughs) Like, I didn't have the heart to be mean (laughs) to her, but I was like, no,
1: this just means he sucks more. (laughs) Yeah. And the the sense I got from um, reading, uh, some stuff about sort of China's later years was that like she was surrounded by a lot of people like that and vultures yeah vultures and uh people who were really manipulative toward her and who really mistreated her and um she you know she had her demons like she was really awful to people in her life including X-Pac like at the end but it's because she was being taken advantage of by all these people who didn't who just wanted to capitalize on her specialness and, and didn't and couldn't help her and it's infuriating there's a lot of I thought it was really interesting
0: that in the first couple of matches we watched uh, I think it's Jim Ross keep saying like hell hath no fury like a woman scorned mm-hmm. and that's all I can think about is that fury in her final years and how that fury could only be directed at herself. Yeah. And that's, that's
1: so sad. It's so sad. And it's also so like the, the thing that women do (laughs) when they're in that situation. I mean, the, the, the internalizing of all this stuff is like, it's, it's so tragic. It'd be tragic if it were anybody, but it's especially tragic that it was somebody who did so much for so many people and was so like incredibly important to so many people who felt mistreated and who felt um, cast out. And she was like such an avatar of empowerment and not even she could carry all this through. And I I feel bad because we're getting toward the end of the episode and we're both getting choked up because this shit is just so fucking awful. But,
0: and it's also for me, it's like of, and i don't think it's a sign of weakness that she shouldn't that she couldn't carry it not at all she shouldn't have had to exactly no one should have to no one should have to deal with any of that and yet you know it's not just like famous wrestlers who were on third rock from the sun (laughs) in a very very good series of cameos if you ever want to look them up that's also one of the first big things i remember her from (laughs) just being elated that there was another big tall lady um (laughs) It's not just her. It's so many people. But, and I, I again, I said at the top of the ep- this episode that, like, everyone's pain is individual and different and valid. Sure. But it, this person who was so much to so many people g- dealing with that type of pain really is
1: just, like, <sighs> the world is bullshit. That's the thing, yeah. It's not a, ma- it's not a matter of weakness because, like, if this fucking badass awesome lady who like did all this stuff couldn't handle this shit then like it is unhandleable it is not to be handled
0: yeah no if, if she <laughs> couldn't handle it like it's okay if you cry on the bus sometimes yes
1: exactly because <laughs> fuck china would want you to fucking cry on the bus and then she would want you to uh hit someone in the balls. (laughs) So I'm not advocating violence on this podcast, but I'm just saying that China would probably want you to hit someone in the balls. I
0: think I, (laughs) and again, to go against all of my own sort of like ways of handling things and like trying to be like reasonable and level headed and not make yourself look like a villain. And there's so many ways the world is going to make a woman look like a villain. I think I'm going to cite something that Kath said this week that no offense, but fuck being reasonable.
1: Yeah. <laughs> fuck it. Fuck it. That's like really how I'm feeling this week through all of this. It's yeah. just like being reasonable is for cowards <laughs> and, uh, you don't have to accept the way that you're treated and you don't have to rationalize it and you don't have to justify it. If you don't like the way you're treated that you are, you do not have to accept that treatment.
0: Yeah. And you can, you can say something and say like, fuck you. Like, like, at least own what you're doing to other people. Yeah. That's what really gets to me is when that, like, they, they, the WWE still hasn't owned what they did to her. Like, they right. get, she has the induction with DX, but like, you, we,
1: sh- they ne- fucked her. They fucked her. Yeah. They fucked her. They used her and they threw her away and it's bullshit. Um, and I want to hit someone in the balls about it. So, uh,
0: <laughs> on that note, on that note, um, on that note, you can pay us to
1: hit you in the balls. <laughs> That's a special uh, on a Patreon, tier. Patreon tier. You <laughs> pledge at $69 a month. We will military press you and then back body drop you and then punch you in the balls. We will not
0: be paying for your travel. You can pay for ours.
1: Yes. We will not pay for your travel. We will not pay for any medical care you subsequently <laughs> need to seek. Um, but. well well, it'll be in the works Um, yeah we're a Patreon you can sign up for that and
0: more at patreon.com slash wrestlesplania where Kath can explain some of the other things you can do on there if you don't want to get hit in the ball
1: (laughs) yeah we have a bunch of bonus episodes we do two a month Um, we also have a wonderful discord full of lovely people that like to talk about pro wrestling it's a very positive affirming non-shitty place and uh, I really like that about it so yeah check that out patreon.com slash wrestlesplania Um, I have two other podcasts as well what a time to be alive and lie cheat and steal those both have patreons as well um like i said this i we're recording this uh while i'm k- kind of going through some stuff online so i just want to say thank you to everybody who's reached out to me and and expressed support and just been really cool um i really really love you guys and i really appreciate uh that you like what we do so thank you
0: yeah, um, and I made a movie with my dad about Pennsylvania voting rights. It's called Line in the Street. You can stream it at lineinthestreet.com. I believe our next screening is going to be at the date of this episode somewhere in Reading, Pennsylvania. Just just dm me i have open dms anyway we also have a wonderful west coast producer uh lb hunk tears is our west coast producer and they are currently covering wwe for fanbite.com and they have also launched a patreon for honkology which is patreon.com slash hunk um we hope you guys enjoy this episode i uh I didn't expect it to flow as wonderfully as it did. Uh, Hey, we're really good at this. I like to think I'm good at this. (laughs) So we'll talk to you next week and we love you. Bye. Bye.